Welcome to the St. Moses Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. St. Moses is a new church sharing the hope of Christ in the heart of Baltimore. If you unfold a quartered map of the city of Baltimore, you'll find us right where the creases intersect. If you have any questions or any way we can help you, please don't hesitate to reach out at info at St. Mo's, that's S-A-I-N-T-M-O-S dot org. Now, let's continue with the podcast. I'm glad to be here, and I want to say um, welcome to St. Mo's, and welcome to a community where we can gather to worship God together. And my name is Sam, I'm one of the staff here, and... Uh, I was going to tell a joke because um, if you, some of you don't know, um, there's, there's an honored guest here, um, Pastor John, and he's, he's part of uh, UCB Central that helped St. Mo's get off its, it, the ground. And so we're, I am always um, honored when, when I see him. But the, the running joke is that every time he shows up here, I end up preaching. So he's like... <laughs> When is Ian ever going to preach? Does he ever preach? Because as far as he knows, Ian has never preached at St. Mo's, right? So um, the, the running joke is that Ian was actually scheduled to preach uh, today and um, next Sunday as well. But uh, unfortunately, he had to go to um, uh, a funeral service. And so, you know, on a pinch, you know, I stepped up. And then sure enough, Pastor John shows up. I mean, it's incredible, right? I don't know what this means. Uh, Please stop coming to St. Moses because I mean, <laughs> they keep preaching. Um, no, no, that, that's really, that's not true. Everything I say will be true except that. That's, um, no, I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. And, um, and I love St. Moses uh, and I love God. And I know that some of you are gathered here to worship God. Some of you here are here to, to kind of check out what, what, what is this God thing. Some of you may be have been away from church because things weren't going well or you were hurt, you know, I want to say God invites us here this morning to worship, to gather, to be healed, to receive God's love. And so I believe that. And so um, this Sunday and next Sunday, oddly enough, I'm going to be preaching out of Amos. So if you, some of you have read Amos, you're like, really? Um, Amos is a, is a, it's a tough book. It's part of this collection we call the 12 Minor Prophets. So growing up, um, you know, I, I was taught to memorize things with songs. And oddly enough, it's always the same song. Um, the tune is like, do-do-do-do-do-do, you know that song? So the way I memorized it was, 12 Minor Prophets, 12 Minor Prophets, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, it's the third one. Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Hagar, Zechariah, and Malachi. Did I count that right? Thank you. So, so I, I, I sang that song for the worship team, and they said, please don't join us. So, uh, yeah. And then that, that same tune goes with, there were 12 disciples, Jesus. Anyway, so I won't go there. So uh, if you want to memorize, I still, that, I still remember that some, several decades ago. Um, 
So we're going to be going through the book of Amos in two parts, today and next Sunday. And really, it it can be broken up very uh, digestible chunks in three, but I'm just going to put it in two. So if it feels clunky, I apologize for that. Um, And the setup of, of Amos goes something like this. During a time of prosperity and peace, Amos gives a word of God to Israel that is not good. All is not well. That is the setup of Amos. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of a setup, at least, I don't know about you, for me, it feels like what's going on in my life. In a time of much prosperity and peace, God says, that all is not well. In fact, the nation of Israel is not centered. It's not straight. The building is starting to lean. I have a, a fence, in, uh, not a fence, but I have a retaining wall in the back of my a tiny little bowling alley backyard. And it's been there probably 80 years. And they, they stacked up these cinder blocks. And over time, I think there's like hydro pressure and it pushes against it. And so it starts to lean. And now it's, you know, at a good, I don't know, 20 degrees. Am I doing my math right? It's leaning. And eventually it's going to collapse. Amos suggests you know, the name, his name actually suggests like it's kind of burdensome. It's heavy. The message in the book of Amos is heavy. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's, it's hard. It's the image of somebody taking a, a ton of weight and loading it up in the back of your car. And then you can just see the shocks and suspension in the back. It drops. It's not designed to hold that much weight. So I, I have a prop. And so if any of you are astute, you're like, what is that thing doing here? I'm glad you asked me, even though you didn't ask me. <laughs> so this is, um, I'll see if I can make it stop swinging. So this is it's called a plumb line. I don't actually use it because I'm only a pretend builder. Uh, um, but this plumb line shows up in Amos chapter 7. And the, the way the plumb line works is there's a very heavy weight. And I think this is like brass or something. And so there's a string here, a vertical line. And it's used uh, for construction, building walls, fences. And it's to make sure that it's centered and it's, it's straight. It's, re- it's really simple, right? It, the, the, but the, the, the mechanics and the beauty complication behind it is that there is an invisible force we call gravity that pulls on the bottom. And it's so true that this line will never go off kilter. It's always true. The force that pulls on it centers it. And by aligning this measurement to this immutable force of gravity, we get this accurate, true line. 
and Amos in his vision. He says, look, look at this. What do you see? And Amos says, I see a plumb line. And God says, by this, I am going to measure the Israelites and say all is not centered. It's crooked. It's not straight. So with that, I'm going to read a couple of things, uh, but I, I do want to give you a couple of warnings. Uh, first is that some of the language and imageries in Amos is very graphic. So I'm just scanning to see, like, my kids are like, good, they're downstairs. <laughs> so uh, if there are any kids or... I, I just want to give that warning out there. So, if, you know, you want to, like, cover their ears <laughs> if you want to... Um, Second is that the reading through Amos is, can be a little irritating. It, it gets under your skin and it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And that's for a purpose. And then the third and more impo- most important is that there is an inherent question that's running through the book of Amos. By what do we measure our lives, our community, and our worship. But that is the central question that's running through the entire book. By what do you measure your life, your community, your church, our church, our worship? So, um, that's the cliffhanger. So, I'm, uh, I'm going to pray because I need God's wisdom today. And I think we all need God's wisdom. So I'm going to ask us, um, I'm going to ask you to pray with me uh, for God's wisdom. Father, we ask you would speak, speak in truth, in spirit, and in power. And may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. So, um, so what I really want to do is uh, read chapter five today. So I, I wanted to just paraphrase the first four chapters real quickly. And so, if you're like, "Wait a minute, I want to read it," so you get a chance to do that. You can go home um, and you can read it as much as you want. It's very short. And then, you know, if you have questions, write it down. And you see observations, and then you can call or email. Pastor Kenneth or Pastor Ian with all of those questions and comments, all right? Um, okay, so, so chapter 1 and 2, Amos launches into a series of, I, I would say, sermons, but they're judgments against Israel's neighbors. Um, and so this is, this is like, imagine you are Israel and you hear this preaching as like, yes, yes, Lord, right? The first two show up, Damascus and Gaza. They are bad. So God says, um, for three transgressions or f- four, really, God's doing, uh, Amos is doing this poetic thing. He's like, did they sin once? No. Twice? No. Three times, which is the, the phrase for too much. It says, not three. Four times. For four, that's it. Here, here's, here's my judgment. So you can imagine Israel like, yes, 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 God. Right? It says Damascus, 
threshed Israel like you thresh wheat. I don't know what that is, but I had a chance once to go to a farm and they actually had like this setup. And so you would take wheat and apparently wheat, you can't just eat it straight because it's got all this stuff on it. So you have to rip it open. And the best way is you take this like broom-like thing and you smack it. Obviously, we don't do this now, but this is back in the day in agriculture. And you would smack it really hard and eventually the... The, I think the chafe, it would fall off. But that's the imagery. God's people, here's Damascus, and they're threshing people. It is a violent image of, of killing, of death. Then you get to Gaza. One, no, not two, no, three, no, four, for four transgressions. I will not relent. And so it goes on. Violence, war crimes, brutality. There's betrayal of treaties and promises. You're not supposed to do that. You make a promise, you keep it, they break it. It's intensified. Not only do they betray treaties, they betray families. So now you get, you're getting deeper. You're not just breaking treaty promises. You're breaking family. And it intensifies not merely violence and killing. There's an imagery where they kill and then they take the bones and then they burn it into ashes. And the imagery is there is not only do you kill them, you follow them even to death. And then you brutalize even to death and they take the ashes. And and some people think they use the ashes and they would turn it into paint and they would paint their buildings to say, See, we killed you, and now we're going to use your stuff and decorate our buildings with it. So you get this horrific imagery. And all this time, I don't know about you, as I hear this, I go, hmm, yeah, that's bad. That's evil. They are deserving. There are, there are actions and consequence. Yes, Lord. Hmm. Right? But the shocking point here is then Amos, he goes, do, 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 like a, like a scope. And then, and then it turns back, right? He says, Israel, Judah, for, not for one, not for two, not for three, four transgressions. I will not relent. And they're like, me? Amos reserves the harshest, harshest words for the Israelites. And it goes something like this. It says, you reject God's laws and decrees, and you sell the innocent and the needy for a pair of sandals. And I'm like, what's the deal with sandals? Apparently the imagery of sandals is like the cheapest thing. So for nothing, you trap people and then you sell them. You deny justice to the oppressed. You trample on their heads. It's like an imagery of somebody who is without shelter. They're lying down and then you intentionally 
walk beside them and then you step on their head. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. Oh, were you lying there? There's sexual abuse. There's disregard for the dignity of the powerless. There's an imagery where um, there's a cloak or like a, a, a coat and um, they think that that would be used to get some money, like a loan. Like you, you are poor, so you need you need a little bit of money. So you say, "I will give you my my blanket, which I guess was very important, or a coat, and I'll give it to you. You give me some money. I need to take care of something, and then eventually I get the money, and then I pay you back, and you give me back my my blanket and coat." And the imagery is. The needy do that, and they take that blanket, and they say, you defaulted, now I'm going to sell you off to slavery, and then I'm going to use that, and I'm going to have a picnic in front of you as you're sold off. This is the judgment imagery that we get in Amos. The sense, the kind of flaunting disregard, disrespect. You are a piece of trash is what Israel is treating the poor, the vulnerable, the most needy. And God says, you are off-center. In fact, my judgment on you is the harshest, even more than all of your neighbors, because of the way you treat the most vulnerable in your community. Those are harsh Harsh judgments. And chapter 3 and 4 graphically describes how God is going to do that. So we get to chapter 5. So I'm going to read a chunk of it. Um, So listen for the word of God. Chapter 5, verse 4. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to uh, Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile. And Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. Devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. There are those who turn justice into bitterness, cast righteousness to the ground. He who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn, darkens day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them over the face of the land, the Lord is his name. With a blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold, brings down the fortified cities. Those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor. Impose tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink that wine. For I know how many are your offenses, how great are your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes, deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good and not evil that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate good, 
love, I'm sorry, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. And therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. There will be wailing in all the streets, cries of anguish in every public square. Farmers will be summoned to weep, mourners to wail. And there will be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he enters his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite it. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings, grain offerings, I won't accept them. You bring choice fellowship offerings. I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen. But let justice, let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. I just wanted to read that in full because I think that stands alone. I don't need to do anything to that. And a lot of you know that ending. You hear that a lot. But that's, that's the context. And you can feel, you can feel God's heart. By what? By what do we measure our lives, and our community. What does God's plumb line measuring Israel, what does that look like? And in in our chapter, it says it looks a lot like God's concern for people, specifically People who are in need, who are poor, who are the most vulnerable. St. Mose, by what do we measure our lives, our community, our worship? What tells us that things are aligned and our, our worship, our response to God is where it needs to be. You know, all other forms of measurement, they, they start to give false readings. So, you know, modern day, we have other tools like, um, I, I forget there's what it's called, but it's like this long stick with a little water. It's like a, a leveling tool. And so, <laughs> I know, I, I go to Home Depot once a month. Um, but, you know, when I do go, I see these, 
I, I have one at home that's about this long. But there's ones that are like six feet. I mean, they're huge. And so you really get a true measurement. And not only that, they have ones that are like three-dimensional. So you, you can see if it's level on this axis, this axis, as well as this axis. Pretty cool, right? But for all of that, eventually, they all will go off kilter. They will all misalign. But this plumb line never goes off kilter as long as the force of gravity pulls on it. As long as the centering power remains true. And that, that's the question and that's the imagery. God's plumb line that calibrates over time does not falter. remains true. True and good. So I have, I have two thoughts. Um, and really, they are, are thoughts of encouragement. And so the, the first one is that sometimes when we hear God's judgments, you know, um, at least for me, the way I react is like, oh, gosh, man, this, I, I'm really bad. Um, and God's judgment throughout the, the entire arc of the Bible, if you look, God's judgment and repentance and call of it is always the arc of transformation, hope, and lives changed. I don't know if some of you are like, yeah, I've heard that already. So if you've never heard that, that, that that's true. Whenever there is calls of judgment and repentance. It's always for the purpose of transformation. You know, Jesus says this in Mark chapter 1 when he starts his ministry. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And then he walks away. Right? No. Jesus says, kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. You know, that Jesus always puts them together. Jesus never goes, kingdom of God is at hand. There's going to be a party, guys. Good news. Let's go, right? No, Jesus always marries the two together. He says, repent and believe in the good news. I'm doing an Ian thing. He does this a lot, right? They always go together. It is not of God to get a sense of judgment that leads to no response, to nothing. And that actually, um, in spiritual theology, is called demonic. If you hear somebody judge, be critical, and levy words of God's judgment, of repentance, and then that's it, that's demonic. That's what... Satan does. You are bad. You don't know. You're really bad. No, no, no. no. You really screwed up. I mean, that's it. And then let you sit in that. That's demonic. 
God always brings judgment for the purpose of transformation. And you, you see that in, in Amos 5. All of this judgment from chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 is continued in chapter 5. And I'm going to speak. <laughs> this is God's warning coming for us, right? And in chapter 5, it says, Therefore seek me so that you may live. God never leaves us and lets us sit in judgment. It's always for the purpose to return back to me. There is good news. There is hope. There is justice. There is transformation. Lives that can be changed. You are not stuck where you are. That's good news. Because if, if it wasn't, Israel is stuck. That's it. It's over. Let's go home. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you. Turn to me, return, and let justice roll on like a river. That's the first encouragement. Second one is, this may be preaching to the choir, even though we have no choir back here, uh, but the worship team was wonderful, like a choir. So I'm preaching to you, choir. Some of you already know this. You already committed your life. You already responded to God's good news in deep compassion for biblical justice. Because you know that all justice, all forms of justice, is rooted in God and God's call. God's call against all injustice. You, some of you are like, I already know all this. Thanks a lot, Sam. So I say, yes. For others, you may be hearing this for the first time. Like, really? The church is just about going to heaven. So I want to I wanna say a word of encouragement. There are people at St. Mo's in this community that are doing some amazing work, committed to the work of biblical justice in our community, in our city, in our world. And if those of you who are hearing it for the first time and you're like, how do I respond? Ask around. Grab, grab coffee with your mask on. I don't know. Take it off and then drink, because I did that once, and that didn't go well, right? Take initiative. Learn. Uh, this, this is like uh, uh, a shout-out. So uh, I did ask a couple people, but I didn't also ask some people. So uh, if, I'm, if I'm embarrassing you or putting you on the spot, that's not my intent. But I just wanted to highlight some of the ways that people in our midst, in our community, are responding to God's justice. You know, St. Mo's is partnering with 29th Street Community Center. They are committed to strengthening the most vulnerable youth in our community, in our neighborhood. We also are partners with uh, the Baltimore Mediation Center that tries to address the culture of violence and argument. 
and create an, a safe environment where there can be reconciliation. I know um, there are people who are involved with a movement called harm reduction, response to drug addiction. There are people who are involved with a ministry called Helping Up Ministry, addressing homelessness and shelter. People involved with the group called Back on My Feet, addressing sustainable employment and sustainable housing. There are people who are involved with ministry called First Fruit, addressing food insecurity and food, food deserts in urban areas. Christian Legal Aid, addressing the need for access to legal counsel for those who cannot afford it. There are groups in our midst, and there's even going to be another one, uh, I think, in the winter content time, small groups who are gathering to discuss eco-theology, God's biblical mandate in response to how we steward our planet in the face of climate change. This is not new. It's all been in there. We just haven't looked at it. Nobody's talked about it. Nobody's reminded us of God's mandate for all of this. And there's more groups. Um, I, I don't think they're here, so I'll just highlight them. You know, um, Josh and Lindsay Goodman, partnering with Barclay Elementary and Middle School, also with St. Mo's, to advocate for and mentor youths in, in our city schools. And there, there's probably way more that I've totally missed. And I'm not trying to leave out anyone or highlight anyone, but I want you to hear God's word of encouragement for those who are involved with this. God says, Well done, good and faithful servant. And in so doing, we respond in worship Let God's justice and righteousness flourish. And we align, we align with God's plumb line. God's centering on justice. God's compassion on the most vulnerable. And thereby proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. They're, they're together. Just cannot separate them. And I'll expand on this topic, the relationship between justice and the gospel of Jesus for next Sunday. So I'm going to punt that over to next Sunday. Um, that's not to try to get you to come back, Pastor John. But, um, <laughs> but um, Can I do this? I, uh, I'm going to close too, but I just want to pray for those of you who are in, in those spaces, who, who are in the front lines, who are helping us to think more critically, to align our worship and response to God. I, I want to pray for you, right? Um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would expand our imagination and our deep need for care and compassion for the most vulnerable, for the poor, the powerless. We ask that you would give us hearts of compassion. 
And we pray for those working directly with the most vulnerable. We ask for your protection, your strength, your courage, your rest, and your renewal. Renew their souls. Renew their calling and help us to walk alongside them. To God be the glory, the earth be peace. To us all, courage to the world, hope in Jesus Christ, God's justice and righteousness. Amen. I, I wanted to end with this, and you, you can go ahead and play. But um, You know, there's more. I, I could add another... I could add another 30 minutes. You're like, please, no, right? I could go on. I mean, this is never-ending flow of how God's justice flows. I mean, it is throughout the entire narrative of Scripture. God's call for us as a church and a community to align ourselves in response, in our worship, God's deep commitment passion for justice. There are so many areas that I haven't even touched upon. Racial equity, mass incarceration, cultural violence, immigration, education equity, gender equity, environment, medical health access, housing, shelter, poverty reduction, foster care, adoption, asylum seekers, natural disasters, climate change on the poor communities, access to war. I have more. I'm not going to read it all. But we do not lose heart. But we are reminded there is a power that is greater. God's grace and power allows us to care for this, carry this heavy burden, and we let God's resource dictate, and we we get to come alongside, and we get to partner. And God does the work. We serve others. We are blessed. God gets the glory. And we proclaim God's good news. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness, like a never-failing stream. Amen. Amen.